Who did they go to? For the math met uh, to calculate and verify those formulas and to learn that computer program language. Did they go to the white women? No. They couldn't because the white women didn't have the skill set. Child, this, this is deep. This is substantially similar to the rate of all females in such jobs. Yep. Six out of every hundred Negro women are in professional jobs. This is substantially similar to the rate of all women in such jobs. Approximately seven out of every 100 Negro women are in technician jobs. This exceeds the proportion of all females in technician jobs. Approximately five out of every 100. Which would make sense. If black women were the most agreed, that would make sense. So meaning they had the skill set to fill those particular technician jobs. So black women, for a very long time, you have been repping the tech field, and you've been doing it well, and you are still doing it well. And I am here to tell you as a black woman in that field that not only have we been championed for other black women to get in the field, I have personally done it myself, mentored a few black women to move into the technical field, we also champion for black men to get in the technical field. Which I have done it myself. All right, so let's look at um, this up here. A Department of Labor Employment as of December 31st, 1964. Okay, total number of employees, white. Child, y'all see this? See the white man? See where he's at compared to the white woman? You see his salary? Um, 11.26 grade over 6.29 for the white women. Let's get to black folk. Child. Black men, 6.81 grade on being in the employment field. You see the salary. Child, now if this ain't pure discrimination on, on the front, we're gonna we're gonna talk about this. 6,800 a year. Black women, 4.84. And overall, um, so more black women were working. But overall, the accumulative salary was lower. But yet, black women led in having more college degree education. Child, let's just keep going. <sighs> All right. <clears throat> this pattern is to be seen in the federal government where special efforts have been made recently to ensure equal employment opportunity for Negroes. Now, it didn't look like it up like up there on that chart, but okay. These efforts have been notably successful in departments such as labor, where some 19% of employees are now Negro. 
a not disproportionate percentage given the composition of the workforce in the areas where the main department offices are located. However, it may well be that these efforts have redounded mostly to the benefit of Negro women and may even have accentuated the comparative disadvantage of the Negro men. Okay, right? So I can see as a Black collective and specifically Black men pulling this particular narrative saying that the, the federal government stepped in and gave Black women more jobs than Black men. No, that wasn't the case. Black men definitely got more jobs. The problem was it was the type of jobs Black men were getting versus Black women. And that was not based on the federal government purposely giving Black women jobs over Black men. It was based on education, skill set. 70% of the Negro employees of the Department of Labor are women, as contrasted with only 42% of white employees. Wow. Among non-professional labor department employees, okay, so this is just the labor department. Among non-professional labor department employees, where the most employment opportunities exist for all Negro groups, Negro women outnumber Negro men four to one and average almost one grade higher in classification. The testimony to the efforts of these patterns in Negro family structure is widespread and hardly to be doubted. Whitney Young, historically in the matriarchal Negro society, mothers made sure that if one of their children had a chance for higher education, the daughter was the one to pursue it. Mm. Uh, and I'm pausing family because we really want to be honest with each other as a collective in the black community this is exactly what's still happening today the effects on family functioning and role performance of this historical experience economic deprivation is what you might predict. Both as husband and as a father, the Negro male is made to feel inadequate, not because he is unlovable or unaffectionate, or unaffectionate, lacks intelligent or even a gray flannel suit, but in a society that measures a man by the size of his paycheck, he doesn't stand very tall in comparison with his white counterpart. Now, if we want to be honest with each other in the black community as a black collective, I'm going to read that again. Because when we run this narrative that black women have been given much more over black men. Wasn't that they were given. The difference is the education. Because black women and black men were coming from the same set of circumstances. The difference is black women got the education and the reason the black community is called matriarch, it is economics. The reason black boys fall behind 
in school versus black girls is based on a father not being in the household. So I'm going to read this part again. The effect on family functioning and role performance of this historical experience, economic deprivation, is what you might predict. So why can't the black collective honestly have this conversation? Both as a husband and as a father, the Negro male is made to feel inadequate, not because he is un unlovable or unaffectionate, lacks intelligent or even a gray flannel suit. But in a society that measures a man by the size of his paycheck, he doesn't stand very tall in a comparison with his white counterpart. To this situation, he may react with withdrawal, bitterness towards society, aggression, both within the family and racial group, self-hatred or crime. Now, as the black collective community, why can't we have this honest conversation? Let's continue. Or he may escape through a number of avenues that help him to lose himself in fantasy or to compensate for his low status through a variety of exploits. Let's get to Thomas Pettigrew. The Negro wife in this situation can easily become disgusted with her financially dependent husband and her rejection of him further alienates the male from family life. Embittered by their experience with men, many Negro mothers often act to perpetuate the mother-centered pattern by taking a greater interest in their daughters than their sons. That's deep. Why, as a black collective community, can't we have these honest conversations? Denton Brooks, in a matriarchal structure, the women are transmitting the culture. Dorothy Height, if the Negro woman has a majority underlying concern, it is the status of the Negro man and his position in the community and his need for filling himself an important person. Free and able to make his contribution in the world society in order that he may strengthen his home. Why, as a black collective community, can't we have these honest conversations? So, the black woman. Major concern has to be the status of the black man, his position in the community, and his need for filling himself as an important person. Hmm. That seems exactly what folks are, what, what we're dealing with today in the black collective community. Let's continue. Duncan M. McIntyre. The Negro illegitimacy rate has always been high, about eight times the white rate in 1940, and somewhat higher today, even though the white illegitimacy rate is also climbing. Okay. The Negro statistics are systematic of some old socioeconomic problems, not the least of which are underemployment uh, among Negro men and compensating higher labor force propensity among 
Negro women. Why, as a black collective, we can't have these honest conversations? Let's continue. Both operate to enlarge the mother's role, undercutting the status of the male and making many Negro male families essentially matriarchal. The Negro man's uncertain employment prospects, matriarchy, and the high cost of divorces combine to encourage desertion, the poor man's divorce. Increases the numbers of couples not married and thereby also increasing the Negro illegitimacy rate. Why in the black community can't we have these honest conversations? Remember, this is back in the 1960s. So in other words, they're saying that because of economics, the woman's role or matriarch society It's larger. So it's diminishing the role of the black man because he doesn't have great employment. Essentially, what is his role? So if they are married, They can't afford to really get the divorce, so they desert. They desert their family, which hints in the statistics above why the desertion rate among black married couples were so high. And then also, the reason why black couples don't get married in the first place is because of economics. Because of the status of the black man economically in the larger society. It is because the status of the black man's competitiveness to his white male counterpart. So hence, the illegitimacy rate or children born out of wedlock increasing. And so now we can fast forward 50 plus years later. Now the number of married black couples are lower than the illegitimacy or out-of-wedlock-born children. So now, why can't we have these honest conversations today as a Black collective society? Because what I hear the conversations are, it's everything else but economics, the Black man's economic status in society the black man's economic status to the white man, his counterpart economic status. We don't have that conversation as the root reason why black couples are not getting married and why the illegitimacy or born out of wedlock children is so high. But what I do hear is black women are too educated. Black women don't need a man. Black women don't want to be led. Black women should choose better 
who they have children with. I don't hear economics in this. And every time the discussion of economics comes into play with black men's collective economic power against the white counter male part, that discussion doesn't want to be had. When we talk about the black men economic power against the black woman's economic power, we get, oh, black women were given something. Why can't we have these honest conversations? This is not about putting or pitting black men against black women These are the statistics. This is what the black collective community has been living since 1940. So those current narratives that are being discussed are not only false, they'll never get you nowhere. Because the root issue, the root problem, as a black community collective, it does not want to be discussed. In the meantime, higher Negro birth rates are increasing. The black population, while migration into cities like Detroit, New York, Philadelphia, and Washington, D.C., is making the public assistance roles in such cities heavily, even predominantly Negro. Robin M. Williams, Jr., in a study of um, uh, Elmira, I'm not sure if that's Elmira, Elmira, New York. Only 57% of Negro adults reported themselves as married, spouse represented, as compared with 78% of Native white American Gentiles, 91% of Italian Americans, um, and 96% of Jewish informants. Of the 93 unmarried Negro youths interviewed, 22% did not have their mother living in the home with them, and 42% reported that their father was not living in their home. One third of the youths did not know their father's present occupation, and two thirds of a sample of 150 Negro adults did not know what the occupation of their father's father had been. 40% of the youth said that they had brothers and sisters living in other communities. Another 40% reported relatives living in their home who were not parents, siblings, or grandfather or grandparents. Okay, I I don't think I need to explain that. clearly a broken down family structure in the black community. Let's keep going. The failure of youth. Williams accounted of Negro youths, uh, Williams account of Negro youth growing up with little knowledge of their father's, less of their father's occupation, still less of a family occupational tradition is in sharp contrast to the experience of the white child. So do we not understand in this report why black boys fall behind at a very uh, early age? Why... Black boys turn into black men who are still behind and who cannot economically 
compete with their white counterparts who cannot even really economically compete with black women who cannot economically support a family, which leads to desertion of a family, which leads to young boys growing up, not knowing their fathers, not knowing what their fathers did for a living or their father's fathers, not knowing of any type of family occupation. So meaning if your father was a plumber or if your grandfather was a plumber, your father was a plumber, you have the option of becoming a plumber because they can teach you that trade. Do we not understand this? Isn't in the black collective community the term always throwing thrown around that a woman can't can't raise a man? I hear that term thrown around a lot. Well, if that is the case, why aren't black fathers raising their sons? Because of economics? Okay. So how do we change that? Don't we change that? Through education? Through having intact, healthy families? We don't change that by single-parent households. And we're not talking about single-parent households where both parents are still co-parenting in a healthy way because that is possible. Where the father is actively involved in his children's lives, where the father is actively financially supporting his children. That's not what we're talking about here. When we're talking about single parent households, we're talking about where the father has deserted the family. From a financial standpoint, as well as involvement. The white family, despite many variants, remains a powerful agency not only for transmitting property from one generation to the next, but also for transmitting no less valuable contracts within the world of education and work. In an earlier age, the carpenters, Wainwrights, weavers, mercers, farmers, smiths, acquired their names as well as their trades from their fathers and grandfathers. Children today still learn the pattern of work from their fathers, even though they may no longer go into the same jobs. Hmm. So when we make the statement that it in the black collective community that it takes a man to raise a boy, why isn't it preference with that man has to financially support and be actively involved in that black boy's life. Why isn't that discussion being had? White children without fathers at least perceive about, I'm sorry, white children without fathers at least perceive all about them the pattern of men working. Negro children without fathers flounder and fail. Not always, to be sure, the Negro community produces its share, very possibly more than its share, of young people who have something extra that carries them, that carries them over the worst obstacles. 
but such persons are always a minority. The common run of the young people in a group facing serious obstacles to succeed do not succeed. A prime index of the disadvantage of Negro youth in the United States is their consistently poor performance on the mental tests that are standard means of measuring ability and performance in their present generation. Okay, so, I mean, hell, that would make sense to me if I come from the, those circumstances of um, poverty. There is absolutely no question of any genetic differential Intelligent potential is distributed among Negro infants in the same proportion and pattern as among Icelanders or Chinese or any other group. American society, however, impairs the Negro potential. The statement of Har Yu report that there is no basic disagreement over the fact that Central Harlem students are performing poorly in school may be taken as true as Negro slum children throughout the United States. Right? So they even compared it against uh, black children against the other um, population of immigrants, the Chinese um, and Icelanders, and the Negro children still came out uh, lower it's because of the family structure. It's not because of intelligence. By the eighth grade, <coughs> Central Harlem pupils' average IQ was 87.7 compared to the national norm of 100. Okay. All right. We're going to continue. Who child? Eighth grade children in Central Har Harlem have a medium IQ of 87.7%, which means that perhaps a third of the children are score scoring at levels perilously near, oh God, near to those of retardation. IQ declines in the first decade of life rising only slightly thereafter. The effect of broken families on the performance of Negro youth has not been extensively measured, but studies that have been made showed an unmistakable influence. Ooh. <clears throat> And I know some will bring up, well, look what they measuring us by. They measuring us by the white man's test. That very well may be. But do you understand that it's much, much deeper than that. Because that would also go into comprehension. That would also go into logic. That would go into reading. That would go into mathematics. I didn't expect for them to have that low of a level. And I just blew right past those statistics. I just blew past it and wasn't even making the connection. So we can't put it all on the white man's test is different. And you have to test differently for black children. 
even if they were to test differently for black children. How is that going to make black children competitive? Martin Deitch and Burt Brown investigating intelligence test differences between black and white first and fifth graders of different social classes found that there is a direct relationship between social class and IQ. As the one rises, so does the other, but more for whites than blacks. This is surely a result of housing segregation referred to earlier, which makes it difficult for middle-class Negro families to escape the slums. Let me pause. This is difficult, y'all. I'm not finna sit up here and lie. I, I apologize for keep stopping. It's difficult, fam. Um, as I've stated above, uh, my parents were one of the ones that fell in the category um, of making it out of the projects, moving into a black middle-class suburb and um, making the decision to move out of that black middle-class suburb um, because they wanted better education for their children. Now, fast forward. To their children, which is myself and my brothers, <clears throat> by the time it was time to go to college, and um, you meet up with some of the other blacks in college we were in two different school systems okay and I didn't get to go to a white school until high school and I absolutely hated it I was kicking and screaming all the way falling out crying, parents gave less than a damn, okay, uh, my brothers, middle school for them, so by the time I went to college, it was the first one to go, and with um, a, a predominantly white college, so us black students, we had a very close-knit community, and so as a freshman, you all start comparing what classes you were taking. And I noticed that my black college friends that went to inner city black schools had to take math classes and reading classes that they were not able to get credit for, I did it again, that they were not able to get credit for in order to come up to a college level. So that means they would have to spend more time in college than being able to just come into college and take regular college courses. That, again, was like a, a brick, a, a slap in the side of the face with the brick. Now, I would never admit that to my mom, even to this day, she'll probably know it now. But I would never admit that shit to her because... You know, she was ultimately right from an educational standpoint. 
Okay. Now, the good news is once they got past those initial classes, they were fine. Okay. They were fine. But that just goes to show you the difference in the educational level coming out of an inner city school versus coming out of a white school. Okay. Now you know schools in the uh, in, in America is based on where you live. And you know how schools are funded in America, right? It's based on the housing tax dollars. So the more tax revenue that's collected, the more money can be funded to said schools in that neighborhood. So that would automatically put the white middle class schools at a higher advantage than the inner city schools and at a higher advantage than the middle class neighborhood schools just because of the value of the houses. Hence, them saying in this particular study, this is surely a result of housing segregation referred to earlier, which makes it difficult for middle-class Negro families to escape the slums. The author explained that it is much more difficult for the Negro to attain identical middle or upper class up or upper middle class status with whites. And the social class graduations are less marked for Negroes because Negro life in a caste society is considerably more homogeneous than is life of the majority group. Okay, therefore, the author looks for background variables, variables whew, other than social class, which might explain the difference. One of the most striking differences between the Negro and the white groups is the consistently higher frequency of broken homes and resulting family disorganization in the Negro group. Father absent from the home. <clears throat> Lower social class level, uh, white, 15.4%. Blacks, 43%. Middle social class, 10% for white folk, 27% for black people. Remember, we're going over fathers absent from the home. Um, higher social class, 0% for white folks, 13% for black folk. So again, as a black collective, why can't we have these honest, conversations on the devastating impact of absent fathers in the black household. I'm talking honest conversation, not that bull crap narrative that's running around. I am talking honest conversations with data and statistics. Further, they found that children from homes where fathers are present have significantly higher scores than children in homes without fathers. Father present, mean intelligence score 97.83, father absent 90.79. And to be honest, that's still pretty good for father absent. And I'm assuming that's because the black women are bringing up that uh, number to the 90% level. 
The influence of the father's presence was then tested within the social classes and school grades for Negroes alone. Um, oh, well, that was overall. I'm sorry. So I can't even say that about black women because this is, they're saying, wait a minute, let me make sure from home where fathers are present. Okay, so yeah, that's overall. So I can't even bring black folks in there. So that's overall. Okay. Okay. The influence. So that's everybody. The influence of the father's presence was then tested within the school with within the social classes and school grades for Negro alone. They found a consistent trend within both. Okay. So just for clarification purposes, the father present 97%. That's overall. That's for everybody. Father's absence 90%. I still say that 90% is pretty high, but remember, this is going on the overall, so this is white people boosting up this score, okay? But even with that overall, that 90% is still shockingly high. All right, so let's look at how um, black folks fared. So they had to study black folks separately. Mean intelligence scores of Negro children by school, grade, social class, and presence of the father. Okay, so uh, category social class and school grades. Okay, so in the uh, lower social class, grade one, father's present, 95 0.2%, father's absent, 87.8%. Grade five, 92.7% with father's present, father absent, 85.7. Okay, so do very well with the dad being present. And then this is grade, so these are the babies, grade one and five. With the father gone, um, 87%, 85%. So right there, you can see just by the first grade and the uh, fifth grade, black children would be lagging behind. But let's go on. Um, the middle class, black middle class, uh, grade one, 98% um, with the father present. And remember, this is going on intelligence scores with the father absent, 92%. Grade five, 92% with the father present. Okay, why is it dropping off? And then uh, with father absent, 92%. So that's, as far as I'm concerned, why, why the baby's dropping off at grade five? What's going on, whether or not the father is there or not? That's alarming to me right there. Because you would think it would still be at 98%. All right, but let's continue. Percent of non-white males enrolled in school by age, present of parents, 1960. Okay, so age, uh, both parents present, one parent present, neither parent present. Okay, so this is black folks. That non-white y'all be throwing me off. I just wish they would say black. So percentage of black males or black, uh, yeah, or well, black men enrolled in school by age and present of parents. So they had a category of both parents present, one parent present, neither parent present. Child. I just glanced at the numbers, baby, and it's it's just this is hard to get through, family. Five years, both parents, 41%. That's low. Five years, one parent, 44%. Five years, neither parent, 
that's high. 34% of the black boys at age five didn't have either parent. Remember, this is back in the 1960s. Six year, both parents, 79%. Uh, six year, one parent, 78%. Oh my God. By the age, age six for black men, six years of age that had neither parents, 73%. That's extremely high family. <clears throat> Seven to nine years old, both parents, 96%. Uh, seven to nine, one parent, 95%. Seven to nine, neither parent, 93%. 12 to 13 year old, both parents, 96%. Remember, this; these are black boys. 12 to 13-year-old, 95% for one parent. 10 uh, to 13-year-olds, neither parent, 93%. 16 and 17-year-old black boys, both parents, 78%. 16 and 17-year-old, one parent, 72%. 16 and 17-year-old black boys, 63%. Eighteen and nineteen year olds, black boys, both parents forty six percent. Eighteen and nineteen year olds, one parent present forty percent. Eighteen and nineteen year olds, neither parent present thirty two percent. So if we look at this data, family, black boys in the years that they need to be getting taught in the years they needed to be nurtured in the years that they needed to be learning social values, social skills in the years that black boys needed to be learning social manhood, the values of manhood. So from six years old to 17, they had a very high rate of not having either parent and a very high rate of one parent. And we know that one parent would be being with a um, single mother. Whew, okay. Right, so the influence of the father's presence was the intestine within the social classes and school grades for Negroes alone. They found a consistent trend within both grades at the lower social class level appears. And in no case is there a reversal of this trend. For males, females, and the combined group, the IQs of children with fathers in the home are always higher than those who have no father in the home. We'll just read that again. For males, females in the combined group, the IQ of children with fathers in the home are always higher than those with no father in the home. Just go back to this. It shows it clear as day. The author says that broken homes may also account for some of the differences between Negro and white intelligence scores. The scores of fifth graders with fathers absent were lower than the scores of first graders whose fathers absent. And while, wait a minute, let me read that again. The scores of fifth graders with fathers absent were lower than the scores of first graders with fathers 
absent. And while the author point out that it is a cross-section sectional data and does not reveal the duration of the father's absence. What we might be tapping is the cumulative effect of fatherless years. This difference in ability to perform has its counterparts in statistics on actual school performance. Black boys from families with both parents present present are more likely to be going to school than boys with only one parent present. And enrollment rates are even lower when neither parent is present. Absolutely. <coughs> that makes sense. When the boys from broken homes are in school, they do not do as well as the boys from whole families. Grade retardation is higher when only one parent is present and highest when neither parent is present. Okay? So... That argument of the white man's test, that's only a small percentage of it. It's not so much the white man's test as it is as black children not being able to compete because of broken homes. And specifically, black fathers not being in the home. The loneliness of the Negro youth in making fundamental decisions about education is shown in a 1959 study of Negro and white dropouts in Connecticut high school. Only 29% of the Negro male dropouts discussed their decision to drop out of school with their fathers, compared with 65% of the white males. 38% of the Negro males were from broken homes. Would make sense because if daddy ain't around, how the hell can you discuss that with him? In fact, 26% of the Negro males did not discuss this major decision in their lives with anyone at all, compared with only 8% of white males. Okay, so when we're throwing around this phrase as the black co collective community, that it takes a man to show a boy how to be a man. That rings true. But you have to own all of that. So meaning a black man must be present in order to raise his son. A study of Negro apprenticeship by the New York State Commission Against Discrimination in 1960 concluded, Negro youth are seldom exposed to influences which can lead to apprenticeship. Negroes are not apt to have relative friends or neighbors in skilled occupations, nor are they likely to be in secondary schools where they receive encouragement and direction from alternative role models. Within the minority community, skilled Negro models after whom the Negro youth might pattern himself are rare, while substitute sources, which could provide the direction, encouragement, resources, and information needed to achieve skilled craft standing are non-existent. Per uh, percent of non-white males enrolled in school or black men, percent of black men enrolled in school who are one or more grades below for age by age group, uh, by age group and present of parent. Oh, child, this going to be the last one. <clears throat> I literally got a headache. Uh, this has been emotionally draining. Apologize in advance if I'm jumbling up these statistics, child, and have to keep going back over it. This this is a lot. We're we're gonna stop it right after we break down this chart, and um, we'll pick back up on delinquency and crime in um, whew, part four. Percentage of black males enrolled in school who are one or more grades below mode for age by age group and present of parent. So age group, both parents, 
present, one parent, and neither parent present. Okay, so this is based on them being um, left back, you know, as as black folks say, left back, okay, by uh, one or more grades. So age group, seven to nine-year-old, the uh, both parents, 7%, uh, seven to nine-year-old, one parent, 7.7%. Seven to nine-year-olds, nine percent with neither parent. Ten to thirteen-year-olds, both parent present percentage that will be left back at least one grade or more, twenty-three percent. So that jumps significantly, fam. Even with both parents in the house. So what was going on from the time? Once they get 12 to 13, that the gap widened, widened even with both parents in the home. But we'll continue. Um, so <clears throat> uh, for black boys, 12 to 13-year-olds, with one parent in the household, um, for them to be one or more grades behind, 25%, with no parent or neither parent present, 30%. 14 to 15 years old, black boys being left behind one grade or more with parents, both parents in the household, uh, 34%. Um, with one parent in the household, 36%. With neither parent present, 40%. 16 to 17-year-old with both parents present, black boys being one grade or more behind, it's 37%. Um, with one parent present, 40%. With neither parent, 44%. These are high numbers, family, for black boys getting left behind in school. And as you can see, the jump started. So by the time they hit age 10, the numbers just keep increasing. 18 to 19 years old for black boys getting one or more grades behind in school both parents, 60%. One parent, 65%. Now, this is interesting. Neither parent present, 46%. So would it not make sense? I, I would be interested in know what was the difference between the black boys with neither parents having a lower percentage of being behind in school than the ones uh, with parents and with one parent. That That's an interesting number. But nonetheless, do you see why black boys would drop out of school the most and why black boys would not qualify for higher education if they have a high percentage of being left behind in school. And the decline started at age 12. And it just grew across all categories, whether or not it was both parents present, one parent present, neither parent present. This is a very, very, very telling chart. And they're basing this off the 1960 census school enrollment. All right, family. We're going to stop here. Um, whew, we're going to come back with the part four with uh, delinquency and crime. <sighs> I apologize in advance if I was um, jumbling stuff up. This, this was... This was really hard to get through. 
Um, and if you're following along with this series, you can see the, the progression because we started out with the state of the family. Uh, then we went into the economics within that family and the state of the family. And now we are into the impacts of the children of those families. So we're going to come back uh, next week. We'll come back with part four. We're going to get into delinquency and crime. Ciao. Thanks so much, family, for being patient with me. I will put the link to this study in the description. I highly encourage you all um, download this study and have conversations with your family. Um, you know, if you have children, have this conversation with your children. Be honest about it. You know, women that are uh, single mothers, you're heading the household. Go through this study with your babies. Go through it. Have those honest conversations. Yep, it's going to be a cry fest. Because at least they'll have this knowledge and they'll understand as they're navigating through life how certain de decisions will certainly impact them. Black men, download this study and have this conversation. To be honest, this study among black men, you should be able to take this report and you should be able to have conversations. You don't even have to involve us women. You don't have to involve us women in this discussion. Take the report and have the conversation among black men. Have the honest conversation among black men. Black men, if you have children, have this honest conversation with your boys and with your girls. And if a cry fest is required, let that cry fest be underway. But at least you are arming them with the information to understand that their choices have life-longing impact, that their choices is directly linked to family legacy, that their choices are directly impacted to generational wealth. So I wish everyone well on this Friday. This is Rhonda with uh, WTUZ Radio Podcast. Peace and love, family. <laughs>